You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This team here that we're about to play embarrassed us last year. Uh, we gave up a early quarterback run with five people chasing him, and we looked like, uh, you know, Mo Larry and Curly plus two. When you go back and, and look at that, how frustrating was that game for you guys a year ago, and, and what do they do to, to kind of take away the running game? I think you know, that might have been one of the worst outputs you guys had last year. Yeah, that one's hard to hard to watch. So we know it's going to be a heavyweight fight, you know, and, and we got to we got to be physical up front with our big boys up front, and, and we got to pound them. But you know, when you when you approach it, you just tell the guys, look, this is Big Ten football, all right. So put your big big boy pads on and let's go. I mean, Northwestern's since we've been in the conference, always one of our toughest games. I mean, it doesn't matter. You guys know they've been like four and zero playing us, and zero and four. Now they're one and two. But we still get this same Northwestern team that's tough as nails, well coached, and you know they're just flat play as tough. I mean that's just how it is. We have a tremendous respect for Northwestern. Throw their record out the window. That's is what it is. But you know we know it's going to be a dogfight in there with them. And that's at the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus, as you just heard from defensive coordinator Mark Banker. Running backs coach Reggie Davis and then offensive lineman Samuel Hahn as the Huskers get ready to travel to Evanston for a night game against Northwestern. It's a 630 game on the Big Ten Network and over the next hour we'll get you geared up for that. We'll talk some recruiting but let's first get to just where this program has come since last week. You know Nebraska went in guys to this game against Oregon. I think um, there were just a lot of fears, a lot of doubts how this team was going to respond. Uh, could they win a big game that everybody, you know, wanted them to win? You know, where they've seemingly faltered, Robin, in this situation over the years. And not only did they win, they they faced adversity. Uh, they executed in the clutch. They played with the physical edge in the second half. It had really all the things you want to see from a Nebraska football team. Yeah, uh, Nate, can you pass me the hot sauce? Because I, I need it for the crow I have to eat. Uh, I was the only guy that picked Oregon to win, and a big part of that was because I just didn't trust Nebraska in a situation like this. I mean, far, far too many times over the last however many years have we had this situation where Nebraska had an opportunity on a national stage to pull off kind of a season-defining win, and they fall flat on their face. And, you know, I just hadn't seen enough, you know, even with this new regime uh, to, to you know, really fully trust them against a, a kind of a national power like Oregon. But, you know, they proved me wrong, and I'm sure a lot of other people nationally um, around college football that, you know, this, this team is different. They're not the same team they were a year ago. They have that resiliency, and they have the ability to make winning plays when it counts down the stretch. I think that's probably the biggest difference of all between, you know, last year and this year. So uh, definitely a, a huge a boost to this season. I mean, all their goals are still certainly in play. They're back in the top 25, and uh, all seems right again in Husker Nation. Yeah, getting an awful lot of confidence coming off that victory. I guess probably the only bad thing is is the fact that it was overshadowed by a handful of other really big games that we, you know, over the weekend within with the, the conference alone. Yeah, within yeah. the conference alone with Ohio State and everything. So, um, so maybe that you know it would have been a little bit more, you know, a little different, I guess, uh, had it been on a different weekend. But um, yeah, you have to give props to Nebraska and the coaching staff. Really, you know, you knew that they wanted this one really, really bad. Um, but uh, I think it shows that everyone's kind of bought in, moving in the right direction. And um, But also the team, I think, has done a good job of 
being happy about it for the 24 hours and then moving on uh, to Northwestern, which has been kind of refreshing to see uh, since it was a big victory. All right, chew on these numbers, guys. Since the Northwestern loss a year ago, Tommy Armstrong missed the next week at Purdue. Since that week, he's 6-1 and one as a starter. In his last four games, he's only thrown one interception, and that was um, against Wyoming. Um, so you look at what he's done to his game and, and how much he's really turned things around. He owns victories over Michigan State, UCLA, and now Oregon over that seven-game stretch. I mean, it's it's quite impressive when you start to zone in on just where this team has come since post-Purdue. Um, and I don't really think people look at it like that, but, man, it, to me, they – They've turned the page. Whatever happened after that Purdue loss and what they did against Michigan State a year ago, um, it just had a different feel in the program. Well, and you know, like you mentioned to start, I mean, Tommy has looked like a completely different guy. And going into the year, we said this season was going to be defined with how Tommy Armstrong plays and if he can avoid uh, those bad decisions that cost them games. And so far, so good. I mean, if you look at his numbers right now, uh, he's on pace for one of the more impressive passing seasons we've seen from a Nebraska quarterback in a long time. I think Dan Hoppen, our former colleague, said he's on pace for 28 touchdowns, four interceptions, and 2,700 passing yards, and about 600 rushing yards with 12 rushing touchdowns. I mean, you t- you get 40 touchdowns out of Tommy Armstrong with only four interceptions. We're, That's not bad. We're, 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 we're eating steak to St. Elmo's. No kidding. So, I mean, like I said, you know, you know, it's early. We're three games into the season. Um, you know, he still made some questionable mistakes and gotten away with it. I think that's probably one of the big differences. You know, he, there are a couple plays, I mean, even against last week against Oregon, where he just chucks the ball downfield and, you know, really hopes something good happens and he gets away with it within a complete pass. That's not going to happen against Ohio State. That's not going to happen against Iowa and probably not against Wisconsin. So those things, I mean, yeah, they're, they really haven't had many consequences so far, but um, if he continues to really take those chances, um, he could get himself into some trouble. But to his credit, so far so good. He's played the best football that he's played of his career so far. And I also like the way the Danny Langsdorf has been calling games for Tommy Armstrong and, and really the offense in general. It, um, you know, last year it seemed things would kind of go really heavy pass or, or would be a heavy run and, and not a great mixture, not a great balance. But uh, so far, I think I think you've seen Nebraska kind of make adjustments and stick to what's been working, whether it is the run or the pass, and, and be fairly balanced in doing so. So uh, I think that's been a big deal for Tommy and for this whole offense as a, in, in whole. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. Now, as we get you geared up for Saturday's game at Northwestern, uh, it's a 6.30 start on the Big Ten Network as Nebraska will go into Evanston, a place they've won both times since joining the Big Ten. Uh, in fact, Northwestern has not won a home night game since 2004. They've lost eight home night games in a row. Um, so it's kind of one of those interesting trends uh, when you look at the Wildcats and, and where this team is at. They're 1-2 and two on the year uh, with losses to perennial Mac power. Uh, I say that jokingly, but they are a good Mac program, Western Michigan. And then they lead the big 10 West right now. And then probably, <laughs> probably a, uh, you know, a, a top 25 FCS team in Illinois state uh, lost both those games, but they get an impressive win over Duke who won uh, the pinstripe bowl last year over Indiana. Uh, so, you know, they're one and two and, you know, you heard it in the open of the show, Robin, this is just one of those teams um, that you can't sleep on. They, they just know how to uh, get Nebraska to play down their level. Yeah, Nebraska has zero reason to even think about overlooking Northwestern, given the, the way this series has gone over the previous five years. I mean, yes, 
Nebraska has won four of the last six meetings, but Northwestern's taken you know two of the last five, and the only reason that's not a 50-50 split is because of a last-second Hail Mary catch by Jordan Westerkamp. So uh, North, the Wildcats have been a thorn in Nebraska's side for several years now, and for whatever reason, they just know how to play uh, Nebraska and, and expose their weaknesses and um, you know get, get in Nebraska's head a little bit. So uh, as emotional as that Oregon win was and how good everybody feels about it, I don't think this team is under any mindset of, you know, feeling overly confident and overlooking Northwestern considering, you know, how well they know the challenges uh, you know, from previous experience. Well, yeah, they're, they're definitely not a flashy team on either either side of the ball, but they make you pay for, for the mistakes. And I, the thing that sticks out to me last year is that uh, the interception return. There was like 72-yard interception that was returned for a touchdown. And, um, you know, and if Nebraska doesn't make those types of mistakes this week, they should – I think they should roll. But um, but that's what they do. They they capitalize on mistakes, and, and that usually ends up being the difference in the game. Yeah, Northwestern is not built to play 70- to 80-yard fields. They need to beat you on short fields, special teams plays – your mistakes, and you're right. I think as long as Nebraska goes into this game and and plays turnover free, and they've done that, they have just two turnovers over three games. They're plus six on the year uh, overall in the turnover category. Um, they should be in good shape. So we'll have a full show on tap here. Plenty of talk here as we get you ready for the Wildcats in the Huskers in Evanston. Uh, when we come back on the show, we'll delve more into those offensive storylines, including just some of the rushing struggles a year ago the Huskers had against the Wildcats. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'll probably have over 100 family members and friends there at the game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it it's home for me, so I get to go back and um, enjoy that. Enjoy some, hopefully we get, get some deep dish pizza for the, after the game. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's exciting. Like I said, my last game um, back in Illinois here um, against Northwestern. I have a lot of history with uh, Northwestern's program and, and uh, Coach Fitzgerald, so re- really looking forward to it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As you just heard from senior wide receiver and Nebraska captain Jordan Westerkamp as the Chicago native will be making his final appearance in his home state of Illinois. He's already the high school leader uh, for receiving in in the state of Illinois, and he'll soon be Nebraska's all-time leading receiver as well. Uh, His mother, Kim, told me this week uh, that they have 156 tickets for Saturday's Nebraska-Northwestern game with friends and family. And we've been invited to the tailgate party, Robin. So um, we've also been invited to the wildcatreport.com tailgate party. So we we have some pregame options if we want to utilize them. Uh, So thank you, Mrs. Westerkamp, as I know uh, you guys will have a huge spread uh, on hand for all all those uh, friends and family. But um, as we bring back in Robin Washett and Nate Klaus here on the Husker Online Show, um, you look at this series, and and let's talk about Westerkamp. I mean, y- you look at the impact this guy has had. I, I bet you Pat Fitzgerald feels like Westerkamp's played at Nebraska for about ten years. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and you you look at the numbers. Uh, obviously, the hail mary is the first thing that jumps to mind, and deservingly so. One of the you know 
best plays in recent memory, but uh, he's kind of had his way with Northwestern. I mean, in, in three games over the course of his career, he's combined for 11 passes for 224 yards and a touchdown, including five catches for 92 yards last time out in that loss in Lincoln. So he's definitely had uh, a bit of success in his own right against Northwestern. And, um, you know, I guess it makes sense. I mean, Illinois boy going back and playing the, the home Chicago team. And um, I think this is going to make a re- make for a real fun environment for him having that many friends and family in the stands. I mean, I can't remember a, one player having a cheering section just in his own right that big That's for a road game. Uh, so that it'll be pretty fun to see uh, how, how rowdy the, the Western camps can get on Saturday. Well, yeah, and I think the that Hail Mary catch has got to be something that kind of is a cut, you know, a deep cut in in, uh, in Pat Fitzgerald's, you know, mind there. Especially being a Chicago kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for a kid that that's from Chicago to to win, you know, anytime you lose on a Hail Mary, it hurts. But for a kid from Chicago to to be the one to catch that 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 uh, pass, I think is is a big deal. And um, you know, and it, I think that uh, what's interesting about it is that you know Nebraska used to recruit the the city of Chicago and have you know have a quite a few guys on the team uh, from there in the the 80s and, and early 90s. But um, you know, outside of Western Camp, and then you have uh, Mikael Wilbon, you really don't have any Chicago guys left on this roster. So uh, they've been great uh, ambassadors for the the university for the football program for the five years that Jordan's been here. So. Uh, this is this is a you know a big deal, and I think it would be big for him personally if he went out and, and had a, a nice game in front of uh, you know a lot of his friends and family in Chicago. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, and Nate Klaus as we get you geared up for Saturday's 6:30 game, uh, Nebraska at Northwestern on the Big Ten Network. And uh, you, you look at storylines. I still, guys, am worried about Nebraska's offense just moving the ball consistently on Northwestern's defense. You can say what you want about some of the numbers about Northwestern. I still believe they have a solid front seven um, that will make it difficult for Nebraska to run it on. Last year, the Huskers had just 82 yards rushing. They were whipped up front. Um, It will be interesting to see how they attack the Wildcats, Robin. A year ago, Tommy Armstrong was not used in the running game against them. I think that's going to make a big difference on Saturday. Yeah, and what's going to be interesting to see if, you know, Nebraska, you know, gets lured into really trying to air it out against Northwestern's depleted secondary, as you wrote earlier this week. Uh, you know, they're down three starters from their original starting secondary, uh, two corners and a safety. Uh, so they, they've had their issues uh, defending the pass. I mean, the stats, you know, everything you need to know about that. So uh, Nebraska's, you know, obviously one of their strengths is their downfield passing threat with those wide receivers. So that's it's going to be very tempting for Danny Langsdorf. But I, I agree. I think that you got to stick with your formula of success this season, and that is have a power running game that opens up big plays through play action and use Tommy as a runner. If they can do that, I think they'll still be able to move the ball. I think Nebraska's offensive line should have a pretty clear advantage over Northwestern's front four. And if they're able to just keep drives on track and put Tommy in manageable situations, don't let him try to do too much. Uh, this should be you know, a pretty you know, handleable game for, for Nebraska and the offense. 
Tommy had 48 pass attempts in last year's game, and I think I think that that year or this year you you, you won't see that, or if you do, it could spell lose. trouble for <laughs> Nebraska. Uh, probably closer to to 20, 25 pass attempts this weekend would be you know probably the winning formula I would think uh, with, with some mixed in design runs and everything. But yeah, I think uh, up front is is going to be where the game is won or lost, and and really so far we've seen the line. Uh, maybe not be their best, not get really get settled in in the first half. But in the second half, uh, those holes are getting a little bit bigger. And, and I think a lot of it, um, it has to do with the strength conditioning, the physical style of play. Divino Zigbo talked about how uh, those guys up front are wearing people down in the fourth quarter, especially, and and uh, and I think that's what you're going to want to see out of Nebraska uh, this weekend if you're if you're a Husker fan. One of those guys that has been playing really well has been Nick Gates. Um, Mike Cavanaugh used the word nails when described uh, describing his play. Uh, this you know how he's looked here the first few weeks on the left side. Um, and you know, I don't think it's any coincidence Nebraska started running the ball really well against Oregon in the third quarter, and a lot of it was on that left side of the line uh, with Nick Gates lined up next to Samuel Hahn. And uh, I think you know, I didn't want to ask Cab this, Nate, but he is draft eligible you know, this year. But you know, I don't think he's a guy that would look to go. But um, if he continues, he's definitely going to raise his stock quite a bit. Oh, his stock is already on the rise. But I don't think there's any reason – uh, for Nebraska fans to worry about him leaving this year. And the thing is, is, I mean, for as good as he is at left tackle, he's not a left tackle in the league. Uh, so that automatically hurts your earnings potential. Um, and more than likely, he's not a tackle in the league. He's only probably 6'4". I mean, he's a legit 6'4". And I, I think that in the NFL, he'd probably be moved inside. Uh, but I do think he has that potential. He's, he's definitely going to play on the next level. Uh, I think he's an all-conference caliber type player this year. So uh, it's been really fun to, to watch how he has played this year. And, and I think he's set a good example for a lot of the young offensive line talent that's already in the program. There was a play uh, from that Oregon game that kind of went viral a little bit where it was a run around the left side. And Nick Gates, for one, just punishes his pancakes, his guy into the ground, gets up and sprints ahead of the running back to make a lead block downfield. I mean, that's the type of athleticism you just don't see from a lot of offensive linemen. And if he keeps doing things like that, NFL scouts are definitely going to take notice. You know, it's going to be interesting will be it'll be interesting to see if he's first team all Big Ten. It's been a long time since Nebraska's had an all conference first teamer. Spencer Long was going to be until he got hurt his senior season. Um, but, you know, with 70 starting offensive linemen in the conference, a lot of good teams like Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, it is so hard to become an all-Big Ten lineman. Um, there's a lot of politicking. There's a lot of, you know, preseason stuff that goes into it. I mean, who the hell really watches film? Like, yeah. I, I don't know one. I don't watch enough. I mean, you just don't have time in what we do, Robin, as writers and I just would love to know what goes into selecting an all-conference media alignment team other than just preseason notoriety. Yeah, and I was going to say that's a lot of times what it does come down to is, you know, who, who, who are the guys we know, you know, and, and did they drastically did their screw do, up? And their, yeah. Did their team do well? Did, their, exactly. did, did they put up a lot of yards and score a lot of points and, you know, did their team win games? And usually that kind of defines who the best offensive lineman was. But good news for Nick Gates. I mean, his team's doing both of that right well, now. Well, and, and like for years, Nebraska with Milt Teniper, when they would lead the nation in rushing – Every single year, Milt Teniper would get a call from whoever ran the All-American. Who's the guy this year, Milt? And he would tell him. And then, you know, a guy like Jake Young, who was not really a pro prospect, a go-hard guy, 
was a two-time All-American, never even made an NFL roster um, mm-hmm. for a game. So it can tell you, like, if you have name recognition and statistics behind you in a good team, um, you can become an all-conference lineman. And right now, Nebraska looks like they could be a 9- or 10-win team here the way they've played so far. But uh, we've got to shift it over now to defense. When we come back, uh, we'll give you a full uh, preview of what to expect from Northwestern um, and some other storylines that came out of the Oregon game. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What we saw is Duke did a great job of getting them the third and long. They had like 10 or 11 third and longs, and Northwestern did a great job converting them. And that's where a lot of those big yards came. I mean, they threw, it was a third and 12. They threw a long touchdown pass. And so the, the quarterback did a great job converting those third and longs. And I know this, this quarterback can throw the ball. I know that this quarterback can beat you with his feet. I know he's a big, sturdy guy. I think their staff does a tremendous job with uh, their offensive scheme. They have a great plan. They have as many uh, concepts in their pass game uh, as anybody, and they do it well. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Mark Banker talking about Northwestern's quarterback Clayton Thorson, and before that, linebackers coach Trent Bray um, talking about why Northwestern was able to throw for so many yards against Duke. Um, it was the first time in Clayton Thorson's career he had ever thrown for over 300 yards in a game. In fact, he had only thrown for over 200 one time before Saturday. This segment here on the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations in Omaha and Lincoln. Uh, their newest one in Lincoln set to open up uh, now sometime in October uh, as they took over the old grandmother's location. But with a 630 night game, make sure you check out any one of uh, the six current Omaha and Lincoln Tanner's locations as they will be your headquarters to watch Husker football, Big Ten football here this weekend and NFL. NFL football on Sunday, but as you guys look uh, at, at this game and and, and what Northwestern is going to do with their offense, uh, Clayton Thorson is kind of um, you know one of those guys that's hard to read, Rob, and he he doesn't look like much. Uh, he's a big guy, but he doesn't put up flashy numbers. He's completing under fifty percent of his passes. He doesn't put up big yards. He doesn't run a very good 40-yard dash, but he gave Nebraska a lot of problems last year. He's one of those unassuming guys, and Nebraska admitted themselves that they you know, took him for granted. They didn't think that he was going to be a guy that could beat him with his feet, and he did. He broke up a 50-some-yard run, which I think Mark Banker mentioned. He looked like Mo Larry and Curley out there trying to tackle him, and uh, it, it, it was you know, kind of just another layer to you know Nebraska's struggles against Northwestern. You know, they, they didn't think that they had much of an issue with a, a guy like like Caleb Thorson, especially, uh, you know, coming off the heels of, you know, Trevor Simeon and uh, Kane Coulter and, and those types of athletes. But uh, he, he proved that he can make, you know, winning plays when he needs to. And, you know, like Reggie or uh, Trent Bray mentioned uh, in the open, you know, his, his ability to convert third and longs and keep drives going uh, was pretty impressive in that game last week against Duke. So he's definitely a guy you cannot overlook. I mean, and despite the stats, despite, you know, the numbers or lack thereof that Northwestern's offense is putting up this year, uh, they can they can find ways to make the big plays when they count. And so Nebraska can't let their guard down. Hey, it's, like you said, it's not always pretty. His, his play can be kind of ugly at times, but he's clutch. He comes through in the clutch when it, when it matters. Um, so that's what Nebraska's defense has got to do. They, they've got to – uh, get them off the field. You know, they they can't allow them to keep extending drives and and everything. And um, you know, I think Clayton Thorson is probably 
the the key to this game and, and probably a guy that the defense is not going to underestimate, especially after Pro Cup last weekend. I think that there were some guys that probably underestimated his athleticism, his ability to run. They knew that he could do it, uh, but maybe not, that he wouldn't be quite as good at, at doing it. So uh, same kind of deal with, with Thorson. He can make plays with his arm or with his feet. Uh, doesn't always look pretty, but but he can do it. But And I think this defense is not going to underestimate that. You're listening here to the Husker online show as, as we get you geared up for Saturday's Northwestern game, uh, 6.30 p.m. kickoff in Evanston on the Big Ten Network. And, yeah, you, you, I'll be curious, guys. Um, you mentioned the struggles the Huskers had last week against Oregon. Um, is a lot of that Oregon's going to do that to about everyone they play? Or do you th- – I mean, you have to think maybe Pat Fitzgerald and his staff saw some you know, perimeter things – on Nebraska's defense, maybe some discipline issues at times with linebackers that they're going to try to take advantage of with Thorson and Justin Jackson, especially with how poorly uh, the Northwestern offensive line has played. They've got to, you know, find ways to get to the perimeter and the boundaries and, and not make this a between the tackles games because I don't think Northwestern can win between the tackles. They're going to have to do it on the edge. No, there's no way they can win between the tackles. Their offensive line has been absolutely terrible this year, and the numbers speak for themselves. They're dead last at the conference in total offense. They lead the league in sacks allowed with 11. That's three more than any other Big Ten teams through three games. Uh, so they've, they've been terrible. And in fact, in his press conference earlier this week, Pat Fitzgerald just – like ranted about how bad his offensive line has been saying they have no chemistry they have confidence and something's got to change and unfortunately they don't have the depth to sub guys out so they're stuck with this group and nebraska while maybe one of their biggest weaknesses is defensive line depth i think they will have an advantage up front uh, to, to really cause some problems and so priority number one with northwestern offense stop justin jackson you know he's got 260 yards this year three touchdowns but he hasn't scored a touchdown in the last two games and so i think that's got to be priority number one make caleb Thorson, a sub 50% passer, beat you with his arm. Uh, they do have one wide receiver who leads the Big Ten in receiving, but I think that's just kind of by default in Austin Carr. Uh, 18 catches, 283 yards, and two touchdowns. But uh, a bulk of that you know, came last week. That's almost Duke. not a good thing for them. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you look back, he had six catches for 135 yards in the score in, in one game last week. So those numbers are a bit deceiving, and I think Nebraska's cornerbacks are more than capable of locking him down. Uh, so... I really struggle to find ways that Northwestern can beat Nebraska's defense just because, you know, you look at Nebraska's areas of strength, uh, they really kind of negate any advantages that Northwestern might have. Well, they're super back, you know, whoever they're bigger, you know, more kind of their H-back fullback guy. Mm -hmm. He's given Nebraska problems over the years. Yeah, he has, but I still don't think that Northwestern wants to play this game in a phone booth. They, they're they going to have to get Nebraska, stretch them out and get them out on the perimeters, but uh, kind of like Oregon tried to do. But the thing is, they don't have Oregon-type athletes once they get out They don't have Olympic there. sprinters yeah, out they, on the wide receiver. Exactly. They don't have Olympic sprinters, that type of athlete out there. But uh, but there's no question that Nebraska's defense, you know, especially those linebackers, missed a lot of tackles, uh, You know, maybe played with poor leverage at times. I, I think it was 13 missed tackles that that uh, that they had last weekend and a lot of you know a lot of those came on key plays uh, some you know 40 50 60 yard rushing touchdowns uh, by Oregon so I'm sure that uh, Northwestern is going to try and you know exploit that see if see if Nebraska has been able to fix anything now uh, to Nebraska's credit both uh, Michael Rose Ivy and Josh Bandera said they had a, a corrections period you know they went back and watched the film and had a corrections period in practice and and that uh, 
uh, guys did, in fact, correct uh, those mistakes. But we'll see how that translates over to the game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines going into Saturday's game at Northwestern. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus. You know, you look at these three non-conference games. If you were to give out a MVP of this Nebraska defense, you can make a strong case that Ross DeZuris would be the guy through three games, another member of that uh, walk-on group of seniors that, that has been maybe one of the better walk-on groups ever at Nebraska in recent history. Uh, but three-and-a-half quarterback sacks. I think the rest of the team has two-and-a-half. Uh, Kyron Williams would be another name you could throw in discussion. But, man, uh, Desiris Robin has been one of the bigger surprises on this team. There's no question in my mind he's the MVP uh, on defense through three games. And, uh, you know, after, what, Tuesday's practice, I asked Mark Banker, you know, if he would have saw this coming out of a you know former walk-on who was just put on scholarship a year ago uh, to, to have this type of impact uh, early on this season. He said uh, prior to their first game, he told ESPN's broadcast crew that, you know, uh, he would, Ross DeZuris would be kind of the unsung hero of this defense, that no one was talking about him, but the guy just comes out and d- does his job and makes plays every single week. And, um, you know, Ross DeZuris said that his kind of formula is just to not play outside of himself, let the game come to him. And uh, that just kind of shows, you know, what kind of cerebral player he is. And not only that, he's out there making plays. I mean, he, he's, got you know that athleticism that I don't think a lot of people get him credit for and uh, as of right now he is Nebraska's active career leader with six sacks and second on in ta- tackles for loss uh, behind only Nate Geary with 15 so uh, the numbers speak for themselves he's been absolutely phenomenal this year and uh, it's a great storyline to watch all right well you, you look at him uh, he, he's one of the stronger guys on the team too he doesn't look like it but according to the strength staff uh, deserves also one of those stronger guys, and uh, it's shown with his play up front. When we come back, we're going to shift over to our mailbag segment as we'll go through your questions and we'll answer what you want to hear next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Tommy Armstrong's awesome. I mean, the guy, I mean, for, for what, whatever, you know, all the stuff, up and down stuff, you know, what, whether it's about his passing, his, his decisions or whatever. But I know one thing, the dude's got a heart of a lion, and, and you can't take that away from him. He's an awesome competitor. That's all you can ever ask. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska defensive coordinator getting emotional after Saturday's win over Oregon, uh, just talking about what quarterback Tommy Armstrong has been through and, and just the way he persevered leading the Huskers to victory in that game. Well, uh, we move it on now as we do every week in the show. Uh, we have our weekly mailbag segment and uh, fresh in uh, for office bar crawl. Was it last week, right? Your bar crawl was last week. Matt Re- Yes, it was. Yeah, it was uh, It was a good time. Hit five bars downtown, and it was nice to finally be able to test out the downtown scene. Best bar on the bar crawl? Mm, Iggy's. Uh, iguanas? Yep. See, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the code language. Of it these. wasn't Iggy's back when I was going. <laughs> <laughs> My sister used to work there, actually, and so I've been kind of familiar with what that was for a long time and then finally be able to go there. It's a pretty cool bar. All right, well, let's get to the mailbag, and um, you heard from Mark Banker our first question in the mailbag is about the defense, about Mark Banker, as we bring in Matt Reynolds and our Husker Online intern. Well, as we know, Mark Banker shifted to coaching safeties, taking that uh, spot over for Brian Stewart uh, this fall. And so should we really believe that our DBs are that much improved, or will they get exposed in conference play more? There's no question to me that these guys are much improved. I think there's been some schematical changes 
Um, I think the ball skills are better. Um, you saw it last year with Kalu and Chris Jones and Nate Gary. Uh, Kyron Williams has stepped his game up. I think last year this group was really bogged down by two guys, Daniel Davey and Jonathan Rose. And once those guys have left um, and, and they've moved forward, I, I think it's been a whole different group back there, Robin. Well, and I think it's two-part, too. I think the players have bought in to, to the system and you know really kind of made the, the full-on adjustments. Uh, to really play the style of coverage that Nebraska's new coaching staff, you know, wants, but you got to give credit the coaches as well too, because they've made adjustments uh, too, uh, and really kind of like laid things out in a way that these players have really responded well to, and uh, I think that combination has really played out. You know, not only with just the coverage, but uh, the ball hawking turnovers that they've been able to force. I think that's probably been as big of a change as anything. I think Chris Jones. Uh, laid it out pretty well this week when he said, you know, for the last year they've been learning the defense and now they're feeling comfortable in it. And now they're at the point where they're able to apply the technique to playing that defense. And I think that's where we've seen the biggest difference in making plays on the balls and creating turnovers and limiting uh, receptions and that, that type of thing. All right, let's move the Husker Online mailbag on here with Matt Reynoldson. All right, going to a preview of this weekend's game. Why does Northwestern always give the Huskers such a tough game? I just think that's who they are. Um, they don't beat themselves. They play a defensive scheme, uh, a cover four, where they keep everything in front of them. Uh, they don't let you get behind them. Um, so they force you to make throws and make catches and finish drives. Um, and, and they don't really give you just a lot of big, long gains. And, and they're smart, naturally, if they get accepted in Northwestern. So they don't really make those mental mistakes. And, um, yeah, it, it has been – you know, head scratching because I think there have been a lot of games where you look at the linemen on both sides and you're like, there's just no way Northwestern's lines should match up with Nebraska. Well, then last year, Nebraska's line just gets whipped um, in that game. And that might have been the most disheartening performance of the line, in my opinion, a year ago. Yeah, I would say over the last five years, it's been line play, like Sean mentioned, especially Northwestern's defensive line just creating all sorts of problems for Nebraska's O-line up front. I mean, they're just tenacious. They don't stop. Uh, and I think they just kind of pester you to the point where you get flustered and get thrown out of your game. And, um, you know, they're, they're also pretty talented this year, too. I mean, Anthony Walker's probably the best linebacker, not only in the Big Ten, but one of the best in the country. He's been hurt, though. He yeah, hasn't played but, up to his level yet so far. Yeah, still. I mean, he's he had, what, 13 tackles last year and, uh, you know, is still regarded as one of the best players in this conference. So when he's healthy, he's as good as anyone out there. And they have other guys around him, too, that have stepped up uh, while he's been dinged up. So, I mean, this is going to be another one of those challenges for the offensive line and probably one of the matchups I'll be keeping the closest eye on is is, is can this offensive line dominate Northwestern's front seven uh, as they should yeah, the thing for me is Northwestern is always kind of a sneaky team because you kind of get lulled to, to sleep sometimes with their out-of-conference play uh, maybe think that they're not quite as good as what they what they are and then all of a sudden once they get in a conference play they're, they're usually pretty tough uh, with everyone especially Nebraska and they they make you kind of beat yourself so um, yeah, they're definitely a team you can't take lightly they're like a Doc Sadler basketball team yeah. they, just, they just got they got you to play down to their level always yeah. and, then, and then sometimes they knock you off yeah they they are Doc Sadler's Nebraska as what uh, wait yeah they're they are to Nebraska football <laughs> what Doc Sadler was to Kansas basketball. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the mailbag here. We heard from Danny Langsdorf yesterday, and the prevailing note from that uh, news conference right there was that Terrell Newby is still the starter at running back. And so a question for the mailbag, why is Divino Zigbo not the starter? It is what it is. I mean, Zigbo has gotten the most carries. He's played the most snaps. I don't really think 
you need to read too much into that. It's really a co-starter situation. They play the hot hand. Well, the hot hand's been at Divino Zigbo. I'm not going to get beat up and, and waste my thoughts, like, you know, criticizing how he phrased that. Yeah, and I think what matters more as opposed to who starts the game is who finishes it. And it's been Divina Zigbo that's finishing the game when, when things are you know, mattering the most. So, uh, yes, the starter thing, it's just a title. I don't think it means much of anything. I don't think it bothers the running backs one bit who gets the start. Uh, they're going to go with the hot hand all year long. So, uh, really, just the depth chart is kind of a formality on a week-to-week basis. Well, let's not forget that I think Terrell Newby's run the ball fairly well. He's averaging more yards per carry than Divine, but he hasn't had as many carries. So, uh, I mean, both these guys are good players, and, and I, you know, I I wouldn't get too wrapped up in, in who's the first one trotting out there to start the game. Moving on to recruiting. Eno Benjamin, is there a behind-the-scenes recruitment going on there? Yeah, the four-star running back that's committed to Iowa. I, I do think that there there is some back-channel recruiting that's taking place, and, and it really kind of stems around – uh, Damian Daniels, the big defensive tackle out of uh, Dallas, Texas, out of Bishop Dunn High School. Uh, he is best friends with four-star cornerback Shevin Calloway, who's committed to Iowa, and, and Eno Benjamin from Wiley, Texas. All those guys kind of run in the same circles. And I think Damian Daniels is very close to committing to Nebraska, and he's kind of started uh, to recruit the two Iowa commits, uh, one of which is his teammate and best friend, Shevin Calloway. So, um, there's there's a chance I, I think Callaway will be visiting, and there's a chance that Eno ben- Benjamin could be visiting too. So something to keep an eye on. Now, Nate, Iowa typically is pretty protective about their commits taking visits. So if he does indeed take a trip to Nebraska, that usually means Kirk Ferentz parts ways with you. It usually does, but these are two top 100 recruits. Uh, and those are not the type of guys that Kirk Ferentz usually has on his commit list. So will he kind of adhere to the, his same policy, or will he be a little bit more lenient since these guys are, are pretty legit? You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. we got time for one more question with Matt Reynoldson here in the mailbag. All right, here's the fun question of the week. That guy, number one, asks, which of the interns has the most game with the ladies? <laughs> well, since David is married after dating a girl for six months based on his Facebook post. I'd say you probably do because David David is uh, pretty tied down. I've seen Matt uh, spit a little game to the, the young TV camera girls uh, before practice too. So I've seen it in action. And you know, Very self-serving question yeah. by you, Matt, today. <laughs> All I right. got to go with Matt. All right. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Mailbag. And we come back on the show. We will close things down with Nate Klaus as we'll talk about Nebraska's newest commitment, defensive tackle, Deontay Watts. All that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we will talk some recruiting here as Nebraska picked up commit number 15 over the weekend. Defensive tackle Deontay Watts uh, had offers from the likes of Oklahoma, Texas, uh, I believe USC, Nate Klaus. USC, UCLA, Texas A&M. 
I mean, he's he's got over 20 offers, and so uh, very very uh, highly touted guy. And, and as all six three, three hundred and five pound nose tackles are, I mean, that's a that's a coveted position um, across the country. I mean, th- those guys don't don't grow on trees. At least athletic, f- quick, fast, powerful ones don't grow on trees. So every program wants to get a couple of those guys each year. And um, and Deontay Watts out of Plano East in the, the uh, Dallas Metroplex area was one of those guys that John Perella had targeted early on and um, you know and they actually had a couple defensive tackles set to to visit this past weekend but they moved uh, a couple of those visits to other weekends because they wanted to to have their focus on Deontay Watts and you had Damian Daniels out of Dallas uh, Bishop Dunn High School visit the first weekend for the that the Fresno State game so I think it's pretty clear that Damian Daniels and Deontay Watts were right at the top of the, board. the two war daddies yeah those are the two those are the two war daddies that <laughs> Perella would say exactly that the Perella wanted and and uh, you know he got one this weekend it was big because he was coming into the weekend he said hey I'm, look I'm taking all five of my visits I'm going to USC going to UCLA Texas A&M and Oklahoma and and a lot of people at that time kind of had Oklahoma pegged as the team to beat and uh, for Nebraska to go ahead and secure the commitment and to get him to shut down everything over the weekend, that was huge. Now, am I wrong or right saying this? I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's just a three-star. But, I mean, this guy is about as close to being a four-star as it gets. And I think in your view, there's probably some controversy on why he's not even a four-star when you look at the offer list in the film. Yeah, he's right on the cusp of of being a four-star, as is Damian Daniels, the, the prospect I, I mentioned a, a few minutes ago. Both those guys are right on the – basically right on the borderline of of being a three star and, and and potentially being bumped up to a four star and you watch the film um you know it's it's a it's a judgment call i mean it, it really is uh it's hard to say why why they're not uh, especially when you look at the the offer list and and there's a chance that as their senior seasons progress that that they do get bumped up uh to a four star status but uh, but really i, I mean I think that uh, the Nebraska staff, especially John Perella and those guys, they, they, they know what they want. They know what fits in their system. And, and uh, Deontay Watts is, is definitely one of those guys. They, and they needed to add a couple of nose tackles to this class. And, uh, and he's going to be just that. And I think they'll probably take one more, which is uh, more than likely going to be Damian Daniels. You look now, Nate, Nebraska with four defensive line commits, two defensive ends, uh, Robert Porsche um, and Guy Thomas. Um, both very talented guys. Then DeAndre Thomas, a D tackle, um, along with Deontay Watts, another D tackle. Um, you know, you compare this to a year ago. Um, it, it's night and day where they're at on D line recruiting. Um, they weren't even getting D tackles visiting last year, which is one of the reasons why Hank Hughes is no longer here. Um, and and now they have four guys committed to D tackles. Uh, they're probably going to take one or two more total on the D line. Yeah, and it's a nine day difference, and yeah, I think they had one D tackle visit all of last year. And that's terrible. Yeah, that's it's it's unreal, and and yeah, the need along that you know at those positions last year wasn't the greatest, but still, um, you know they had. Then one, they lost four guys that could have come back. Yeah, so. then all of a sudden, yeah, they lost four guys, and and that completely changed the complexity of everything. But heading into this year, it was like holy 
holy cow, how is Nebraska going to be able to replenish uh, the depth up front on their defensive line, especially with a new um, you know, coach there that, that hasn't recruited at a high level yet. Well, John Perella has shown that, that he can come in and, and recruit at a high level. He can establish relationships quick um, and, and meaningful relationships quick, I'm meaning that he can not just get his foot in the door, but he can he can get these guys on campus. He can impress the, the kids, their parents, their coaches, uh, everything. And and I think his resume is something that, that has really um, you know resonated with a lot of these players something that that has gotten you know grabbed their attention and gotten them to uh, give Nebraska a lot of a lot of thought and then once they get on campus they're they're blown away all of these guys uh, outside of Guy Thomas uh, who hasn't visited yet has have brought their parents on campus they've seen the the academics and the life skills and and I mean everything that Nebraska has to offer so um, you know just imagine what Perella can do now uh, for next year's class, now that he's had a year to fully recruit some guys and, and establish those connections. I mean, he's done well in the past six, seven months or whatever it's been since he's been here, but uh, I think it's only going to get better going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we break down the recruiting weekend from Saturday as several guys were in town, I think eight official visitors. Nate, one of the other top names that was a, a target was Alaric Williams out of Alabama. He's an Auburn commit, and if you follow kind of the lay of land, the lay of the land in college football – Things aren't very steady right now at Auburn. Um, Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat. Uh, you know they had a an off year last year. Uh, they made it to uh, the Birmingham Bowl and beat Memphis, I believe, for their bowl game, which for their standards is not very good. And uh, they're not their offense is is terrible right now at Auburn. And um, you have to think that could be in Nebraska's favor with a guy like Alaric Williams. Uh, based on maybe the state of affairs right now in the Auburn football program and how it could turn as the season goes. Well, it's twofold for for Williams. First of all, Auburn, yeah, they're struggling this year, and and for their offense to be as bad as it is, and Gus Malzahn to be an offensive guy, I think uh, is even more troubling. But um, you know, and then you look at the position. So he's a Rivals 250 rated athlete, but he plays running back primarily, and Nebraska wants him as a running back. Well, Auburn has not, you know, really said you're our guy at running back. They've kind of let the door be open towards what position he plays. Oh yeah, we may give you a shot at running back, or we might have you start the old off. Amir Abdullah. Yeah, we might have you start off at defensive back. Well. You know that's that's all good and fine initially when he committed and he's an Alabama kid so committed to Auburn but I think as time has gone on and they have continued to recruit other running backs they just signed or they just landed a commitment from uh, Devin Barrett who's a four-star running back out of the Tampa Florida area uh, I think that got him thinking okay well. Uh, maybe they're not going to give me a shot at running back. And Nebraska has been recruiting him since June uh, as a running back. Uh, uh, Reggie Davis has done a great job there uh, kind of getting in and, and building a relationship. So um, Alaric and his, his guardians came on the visit, and they were absolutely blown away by by everything, as you as one would expect, because the atmosphere was tremendous. And, of course, the, everything that Nebraska has to offer um, is impressive as well. But uh, the thing that really stood out to me is the fact that they're planning on, a, on making a return visit either later on the season on their own dime on their own dime um, or after the season because they want to kind of experience the the weather uh, I think that m- might be the only hang-up at this point in time uh, is they just want to they want to experience cold weather and see what it's like before they go ahead and completely uh, jump in and, and make that flip from Auburn to Nebraska I don't want to get on a big global warming segment here but I feel like the weather hasn't really been that bad in Nebraska the last five six years I mean it's just 
it's been pretty mild out here in, in the fall and the winter. There's, you know, if you can survive about three or four weeks of, of cold weather, uh, you can, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, I don't think. But there, there are times when it's cold and windy, uh, and especially someone from Florida or someone from the south or from the west coast, yeah, it might be a hard transition. But really, honestly, it, it only ends up being a few weeks a few weeks yeah and, it, and the snow melts fairly quick here now it's it's so yeah I, I don't think it's as big of an issue as maybe it used to be um because the winters just don't seem like they've been that tough well briefly nate as we wrap it up here um huskers will be on the road this week but uh illinois will another will once again be another recruiting weekend where the huskers are going to have a lot of numbers in town yeah that's going to be another monster recruiting weekend you've got five-star wide receiver joseph lewis um, and then rivals 100 cornerback Jalen Johnson. Those are kind of the two guys that that are uh, you know highlighting that weekend. There's probably going to be another eight guys on, on campus there. All right. Well, the, we'll have plenty of coverage of that weekend. But first, uh, we'll be in Evanston this weekend. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have complete coverage of the Huskers and the Wildcats. It's a 6:30 game on the Big Ten Network Saturday night. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.